It's a good show. Hey guys, it is right now 12:21 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which means that's very late. And we have to get this podcast out 21 minutes ago. But we just we're in San Diego and we just finished a, a taping for a show that Jessa is doing with Epics. You might have heard of it. It's called Unprotected Sets. Wanda Sykes is the EP on this thing. And uh, we had an amazing time. It was fun. Jessa crushed. And we want to talk all about this crazy week that we've had and how it led up to and how it culminated into tonight. And we're going to do it uh, right now. Jessa's still getting, uh, you know, uh change decompressing after her big night and uh, so i'm kicking this stuff off alone because we don't have enough time so i'm gonna start some stuff off with some show dates because we are still on the road we've been on the road forever we're gonna get to go home for like one and a half days see our children and then go back to the pacific northwest we're doing some more shows thursday this thursday september 6th we're gonna be in olympia washington at the Octopus Cafe. And then Friday, September 7th, we are at the Siren Theater in Portland. Then Saturday the 8th, we're at the Mac Club in McMinnville, Oregon. Sunday the 9th, we are in Spokane by unpopular demand. I don't know. I feel like there was like three very vocal people that wanted us to come to Spokane and they've all bought tickets. But if the rest of you would please buy some, it would make uh, me feel a lot better about this trip. Uh, and then uh, Monday the 10th, we're at Etsy Bravo in Pullman, Washington. And most of those tickets can be bought through our site, through Facebook. You can get to Eventbrite, whatever. The... Uh, the Mac Club and the and Etsy Bravo are selling their own tickets, but we're selling tickets to Riddler Piano Bar, uh, the Mac Club, or sorry, no, Siren Theater and Octopus Cafe and Olympia, all in our uh, website. And then also in the, later this month, September twenty seventh, we're coming back here to San Diego, and we're doing a one night show on the twenty seventh at Martinis Above Fourth. And you can tickets for that are already on sale as well. So if you guys want to come support us, if you live out in any of these places, get your tickets and uh, and come see us on those nights. I think uh, Jess is almost ready to go. Yeah, you guys remember that brand new song? Oh, I'm sure you do. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I don't think I can sing it though. I think then then they they like take down your podcast if you use unlicensed material. But you know the one? It was like my favorite song on that album. They talked about uh, another late night basement song. Uh, is they they because they procrastinated and they have to do um, they got to record all night long. That's what I feel like right now and. Frankly, I'm pumped, you know, because because he doesn't believe in filler, baby. And she doesn't believe in filters, baby. It's Mormon and the motherfucking meth head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all let us a Listen to them talking to Mike. 
Jessa, you look exhausted. I'm so fucking tired of anxiety. Yeah? I don't... Uh... Did you have it bad tonight? I think I had it... I have just had a year of feelings after just a long time of logic reigning over feelings. I don't know. I don't feel like I was shut off from having feelings, but I used to just have this system of like emotional reaction, allow myself to have the emotional reaction, then come talk myself out of the rafters. And I guess that I still have that system in place, but I feel like Every single fucking day, I am, uh, it's me versus whatever new super intense feeling is on the menu. Sorry, this is totally not going to be the podcast you want it to be. I love it. I love Um, the direction this is going. Spill your depressed guts. I, uh, it's constant. It's a fucking... Uh, from like a video game perspective, there are uh, a lot of people that say that the re- not a lot of people, but the the idea is that the reason that the younger generations are so anxious and depressed is because they were wired for this new reality, and they're so nihilistic because they were wired for this new reality in which we were supposed to just be having fun. And all the dichotomies were already supposed to be gone. And since y'all were wired for that, it's and you're forced into this like more dense old reality because it's taking so long to fucking die, y'all experience it as as anxiety and depression because you're not you're not ex- you're you're you vibrate at this like higher frequency and you're forced to live in this lower dense frequency and it doesn't match. And so it just feels it feels wrong. And uh, I, I, th- that made so much sense to me for why an entire generation was just feeling all these feelings. I know that a lot of people are like, no, it's because we went into debt or whatever, which doesn't help, which does not help. Oh, but, it definitely does not. If you uh, thought, if, if anyone ever thought that like, hey, maybe $20,000 of debt would cure my anxiety, it's a, it's a bad plan. That is just, I went on the record that 10 years ago when everyone was falling for this uh, scam. Just, I know that some of the things that I say sound crazy, but I'm only ahead of my time. And when everyone else was going to college and just a, just an entire generation was like, we have, we have to go to college. And all the grownups were like, we have to send our kids to college. And my daughter was graduating high school. I was like, nope, she's not ready for college. And uh, I don't think that any of you should be going to college. And I worked in the restaurant business and I watched so many people, so many young people work in the restaurant business during college, leave and go get their whatever fucking quote unquote real job and then have to come back to the restaurant business to pay for mm-hmm. their fucking debt for this scam of an idea that everyone needs to go to college. So I just wanted on the record that I said it was a scam and that I uh, I think what a, what a great way to keep people not pursuing their own happiness is to just put them in crippling debt to keep them locked in a system anyway i don't need that more depressing shit right now but it's nice to know like you you got one right i was right yeah Yeah, i got got i'll have them all right unfortunately it just takes 18 years for uh for any yeah i have to i have to wait a long time for things that i say to 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 become common knowledge 
But um, anyway, you've been dealing with a bunch of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It's so weird because it used to be I had a. I'd have a feeling. I'd let myself have the feeling, and then I would be able to talk myself out of it. And it's just like I know better. I'm. Ha- I'm having. Uh, I. I have feelings, and then I. I know better while I'm having the feeling I'm like anxious and it's like, I know better than this. I know this isn't real. I know this doesn't matter. I know that I'm uh, okay. And uh, I'm always getting what I want and it doesn't fucking anxiety just doesn't stop. It's a, it's, it's a physical thing that's happening to me. There's a physical thing happening to me and I like social anxiety is back but it's not what social anxiety used to be because social anxiety used to be like me constantly worried that someone was gonna think I was an idiot or whatever or like just being afraid of talking to people and I'm not I'm not that I don't have that like terrified narrator thing happened in my head I'm just actually anxious I'm just my heart is racing all the time I feel like the room is spinning I feel I feel like something bad's about to happen um, constantly. And so then every single thing that happens gets like sucked up into that. And I'm, I'm just pulling things back out of it. Like, I guess what I call postpartum depression was most, mostly postpartum anxiety now that I'm here. Uh, Because this is when I have a baby, then for like a year, I'm like this. I'm just... Uh, I'm freaked the fuck out 24 seven and then I project it onto stuff. And so after Phoenix was born, I was like so freaked out about money that I made us move across the country over like $4,000 in debt. I would love to be $4,000 in debt now. (laughs) Um, and was just, it felt like the sky was falling and I projected it with Lilith. It was like, I knew it. Like I, I didn't have the amnesia. I knew that this was postpartum, whatever. And so when things would get sucked up into it, I would just wait it out like a bad trip and be like, right now I feel like my child's going to die uh, in, a, in a car accident or underneath a dresser. So I am going to stay up all night fucking with the car seats and nailing dressers to the wall, but like screwing because the nailing wouldn't work. Um, okay, good, good. But I, and I'm going to just obsess over all the ways that my kids could die. But I know that this isn't real. I know that this is anxiety. And so I would just like ride it out. And that's kind of what it feels like now. Cause in any given day it's 300 things happen that I'm like, Oh my God, is this, Oh my God, is, am I about to lose this? Is this about, is this, is this the worst thing that ever? And then, and then I'm just like, no, like I just pull it. I, I was describing it as vacuuming up t-shirts, which is kind of weird. Have you ever been like vacuuming and then you, you accidentally hit the corner of the bed sheet and the bed sheet gets sucked up into the vacuum and then you have to turn off the vacuum and pull it back out? This is what I feel like I, I, I spend days now. I spend days pulling and I just had a stretch without anxiety after I beat the voice or whatever. And then, you know, I felt like I was cured. And then I don't know when it started again because my perception of time is fucked. But I uh, I have so many fucking feelings. And it's like, did I just get a decade off of, of and then I just have to have every emotion now constantly? I am con- I am feel like I am. Too bad this is a- this is going to come out before the episode 
what I feel like as I'm standing in front of a mirror having to face every emotional fear that I have. I I just am doing it all day. I feel like I'm I'm in a I'm in a battle all day every day. This just uh every time I fucking clear some piece of trauma, some piece of self-worth residue, low self-esteem that I hasn't even been evident in a over a decade, I it's another one comes up. All right, can I ask you some questions? Yeah. About anxiety today and in, in, in this previous week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I guess first let's take it back. Um, almost two weeks ago, I came out to L.A., and we've been together pretty much ever since. Yeah. We did a bunch of time in L.A. together, and then we flew uh, to Baltimore. We did a show outside Baltimore, and we did a show in Philly, and then we went to New York. Those shows, by the way, thank you. Thank you to everybody that came. Thank they were they were a lot of fun. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. We picked the worst possible weekend to try to book shows uh, on the East Coast. It was like right before everyone's kids are going back to school. The last weekend to go to the beach, and people still came out to our shows. And thank you so much. We a lot of people hung out afterwards. We met a bunch of new fans. People drove from other states. People drove in from. New Jersey and Connecticut and uh, anywhere else. can't remember. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, I think we had two different group, like two different pairs of people that drove in from Connecticut to different shows. But we have uh, – we had good shows and stuff, and then we went, we went to New York, and we were doing lots of, like, little spots there. We had, like, one big show at the end of the week, but we were doing a lot of little sets throughout the whole week. And the whole time, we know that we're going towards today, uh, Sunday, in San Diego. Oh, sorry. You also had to stop in Port Clinton. Is that the name Port of the place? Port Clinton, Ohio. I Port- had a, a one night. The, all of this was on the books before I got this Epix thing. Like, I had been yeah. talking to Epix forever, and it was kind of last minute that it happened. Right. I remember I was there. We were together when they interviewed you for it. And uh, then you just never heard anything. And then they got back to you and you played hardball with them. Like, uh, yeah. Every step of the way, I was just like, well, I'll never hear from them again. Like, they needed a video and the video was bad. And then they wanted to, to do an interview. And I, I felt like I blew the interview. And so. Oh, yeah. You sent the video of our Salt Lake show, right? Yeah. That and I didn't video. like that show. And so every step of the way, I was like, I'll never hear from them again. And then they kept uh, they kept getting back to me. So. Um, the thing is, is like, before I did, this is not happening. I had, uh, I had the vision for what the outfit was going to be. I saw someone at a wedding wearing this outfit and I tracked down this shirt and spent $80 on a shirt that I'd never fucking do that. I buy all, I bought all my clothes at old Navy and it's always the exact same <laughs> outfit. I had my pants taken in so that they fit correctly. I was at the gym two hours a day. Like I had six months notice that I was doing this and I took such good care of myself leading up to it. And I got into town early so that I wouldn't have jet lag. And then this, like when I booked this, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is not how I do things. Like, And the second you booked it, they were like, okay, now we need an exact transcript of a 25 minute set every single word that you're going to say and we need it yesterday oh we also need pictures of every single outfit that you're going to that you might possibly wear we also the, the you know they need a lot from you and i know that was stressing you out this whole time while we're traveling 
they you have to keep getting stuff to them and you know yeah and like the whole trip to the whole trip to the east coast was supposed to be uh so that i could have a couple days with my daughter and my grandson (gasps) and you said grandson uh you are tired (laughs) i am so cute by the way he's so cute i got to hold him twice it was fantastic um and then the that trip just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because of all the things I needed to do. Now I needed to get a driver's license while I was there because someone broke into my house and stole my purse. I needed to get my hair done because I had fucked my hair up. <laughs> um, uh, you had to go to shopping. Done. I needed to go shopping and get clothes. It also happened to be back to school weekend. But this is all like, this is all situational shit. And I am uh, typically someone who the more you put on my plate, the better I function. I am typically someone who thrives, thrives being so overwhelmed and having a million things going on at once. I love it. It's my favorite thing. I'm far more likely to get uh, tied up in bullshit when I don't have enough to do. Like I'm far more likely to get to flail when I don't have enough on my plate. But there was something about... Uh, we spent a, we fucked off for a couple days in LA Mm -hmm. and it was fun. And then on like the second day, uh, of fucking off in LA, I woke up panicked, just panicked. And I don't think I've recovered from it yet. I've had like small chunks of time where I have felt normal. But other than that, I think I have been panicked for however long that that's been. I have impending doom and i just kept being like well it's because i'm nervous about this uh show i i hate my material right now is there any relief now after no i feel awful right now i feel fucking terrible right now i felt anxious they wanted us to film like reality sections and i felt very socially anxious during all of those yeah that's terrible man that's exactly how i felt on that byu tv show you know that someone just puts a camera in your face and then they're like tells uh, you to do something and they tell you to do something impossible without yeah. any and then you have a second to try to figure out a way to do it like you and me are, are talking and they're like all right yeah just act like you know you you just you just met each other before the show and you're just talking about stuff and that's easy we're like okay yeah blah 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 and we're just like hey yeah oh this place looks cool okay i'm excited for this show and then they're like okay okay now talk about how you guys met and your relationship and like, um, you know, kind of like the feelings, just uh, feelings uh, in, in, in relationship and just like, you know, about where you guys come from. And you're like, what? Yeah. You, like, as if we don't like if we we're talking to a, a third person. Yeah, exactly. The camera, if you ask the question, we'll crush yeah. it. Yeah. But it's just like you and me are in the middle of a conversation about the show. Like, oh, man, this is a sold out crowd. I'm so stoked. Do you remember the day we met? Do you remember yeah. uh, 11 months ago when we came up with this uh, idea? Did you ever think like it's just a weird uh, thing? I wish I had said that now. That sounds better than the I think what we did say was like, uh, uh, we have to edit a podcast. We have to edit a podcast. That's all tonight. I just kept saying because that's all I could think about was just like uh, we have so much work to do right now. I don't. Yeah, I don't feel better. I know that I had one good set. The thing is, is that when I'm anxious, right, listen, listen, let's go back. You had one amazing set. So I do wish if that as I'll just speak for myself as a comedian. 
my my whole self-esteem and self-worth depends entirely on my most recent set and it doesn't matter like i could crush for an hour and then do like a, a five minute set somewhere else afterwards and if that five minute set bombs i'm like oh i'm a piece of shit and i hate myself and so our second show was way worse than the first one because the crowd was just not there, like not into it. They were chatty, talking, tired, not laughing. The first crowd, though, was fire, Jessa. And like for all they needed is one good set to put right. on TV. And you had one of the best sets I have ever seen you do. And I like watching you do it. I was watching the TV in the green room. It felt like you're this is not happening set where uh, every single little line that you had crafted and you made sure you got all these little details down and memorized and you pitched a per and every single one of them hit every little thing you did got a huge reaction from that audience. They were hot. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This set was good. It's very good. And I like I'm so surprised that you're still feeling bummed right now because you... I don't think I felt it didn't feel it it felt good it didn't feel like that like I it didn't feel like how I felt after this is not happening hmm. but it like going into the second set I knew it was going to be bad because like that kind of audience because you had seen five comedians before you bombed yeah everyone in the second show everyone sucked myself included it was hard I wanted but I like in a situation like that I just want to know that I didn't fall apart and I did feel like I fell apart like I I freaked out I choked on a couple lines mm-hmm. uh, I did I choked on a couple lines because my brain was like, abandon this material, yeah. go into this other material, win them back that way. And I did successfully do that. Yep. But while I was thinking, I felt like it was very obvious that I was thinking. Um, I fucked up a couple lines while I was thinking. No, it wasn't. It wasn't obvious. It wasn't. It wasn't. Now, what Jessica means when like she says, don't fall apart. Like, w- I feel the same way. Uh, when a crowd doesn't respond... For me, it's like if I let it bother me, then I've lost. But you, like I, we did t- the our last shows in New York, um, at the at the duplex. The first show was fantastic, and the second show I got to close it out. I got to be the last one, and the crowd was just asleep, or they hated me. Yeah. one person even heckled me, and, and like. Um, who you uh, handed his... I hand, yeah. yeah. So And I was proud of that set because I never let it bother me. Yeah. The whole time I just had like my... I had more disdain for the audience than they had for me. And <laughs> that counts as winning. I was just like, ah, oh, fuck you guys. But if you let the audience lack of laughter make you nervous or start like second guessing yourself, then it feels like a loss, you know? And, and I don't even think I got nervous. I did get anxious at one point. But I the the fuck ups like there was like I fumbled for like a minute. The fuck ups were just I was I was thinking because the debate was in my head where I was like, I know that this audience will appreciate this material that uh, I am not supposed to be doing tonight. Mm -hmm. But I know that they already got my set and they're not going to use this set. So like, can I just go off the books and go hard on this parenting stuff, which is what these people will like better. And so like while that whole conversation, which I don't like to think while I'm on stage, but while that whole conversation was happening in my head, I, I, I was moving my set around in my head and I fucked some shit up. And then it was, you know, I'm like, now that I'm talking about it, it wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. I think I'm more unhappy with the reality portions that 
Uh, which yeah, is like here's the thing with they're not the, going to use any of that gonna, shit. All they need is seconds here and there. Yeah, and that are I mean, probably I, not even going to have audio. I'm guessing this is probably uh, a 30 minute episode. Probably, you, yeah. You know, and if 20 minutes of that is your set, and then they have interviews and stuff. I mean, they're using teeny tiny clips. They just so uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just from you know my experience on a reality TV show. Yeah. Uh, no, and lots I, of I think I knew the whole time look better that they weren't going to use a bunch of it. But I just felt like unprofessional. Like they asked me to do stuff, and I was I like I. I was shutting down. There were several times where they're like, here, do this. And I just felt the, the, anxi- the social anxiety show up and just be like, no, I can't, I would just run inside of myself. And I've gotten so good at staying outside of myself. I'm going to talk a little bit about how this week went. We, so we're, we, we fuck off for a day. We go to the beach and uh we don't get to do a ton like our life is fun together because but we work constantly and so we don't get to do a ton of like just fun recreational stuff together we're sometimes we want to go to the movies but we're too busy to go to the movies and so i was excited that we were just going to spend a day going to the beach we only got to do that because some meetings had fallen through and everything just made sense and then uh, I wake up at the beach and feel like, oh my God, I, we never should have done this. I have a million things to do. Uh, and I just start panicking. And also, I work really well under pressure. I am someone who can get a million things done in, in a short amount of time. I'm very fast. I'm v- the advantage of being someone who, who life experiences life that fast. My brain works fast. I work fast. I can make a lot of things happen in a short amount of time. But for some reason, it didn't feel that way. I get into the car. We go to leave. I back the rental car that I have to return in 24 hours into a fucking pole. I think I was already freaking out about something before that. Then I leave the Bluetooth Bluetooth speaker, which I take everywhere with me and mm-hmm. listen to music constantly with and use it at my house. It's like I don't have a lot of material possessions. I don't uh, care about a lot of things, but I have like a few pieces of technology that I use constantly. And that's one of them. I leave that at the hotel. I'll never see that again. Um, we get back to the house and I'm, you, you take a nap and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I didn't take the car as bad as a lot of people I think would take the car, but like it bothered me more than it would ordinarily bother yeah. me. And, and this is also in the middle of the stolen car debacle that I'm already in. My car insurance is going to go up. Uh, that kind of stuff I don't pay a lot of attention to. But then you take a nap, and while you take a nap, I have a million things to do, but I'm just doing that thing where you just pace and start one thing and then and then stop and go do the other thing and then stop and go do the other thing, stop and go do the other thing. Um, we went out later with friends. Uh, I feel like there was other stuff. We went and did a show. If I'm anxious, it feels like I'm bombing. It doesn't matter if I'm not because it, when I'm anxious, I feel like everyone is looking at me through a fisheye lens and looking at me like why are you even here so it's very difficult to tell if I'm having a good set because I feel unwanted I feel unwanted and uh I just want to run inside so the show uh, was fine I'm sure but I'm assuming by the sheer amount of thank yous that I got from the producer but I felt like I bombed 
and then we went out with your friends, uh, 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 our friends, but uh, old friends of yours, and for a birthday party, and I ended up leaving the birthday party feeling crazy, and then uh, I don't sleep all night. I wake up the next day. Do we travel the next day? Yeah. The travel day, uh, I couldn't turn it off. And so I just kept fucking everything up. Like every, like every single thing was getting sucked into this. And at one point during the layover, everything's so foggy too that like I, I went to go get food and didn't even look at the time first during our layover. So I paid $20 for wings and then realized that the plane was boarding and I had to go get on the airplane. And uh, I cried. I was boarding the airplane with tears running down my face because of the chicken wings. And I can't remember what else happened that day, but it was it was a ton of chicken wing type level who gives a fuck. Yeah, it was all really inconsequential stuff. It was all really... Uh, I wish you wouldn't be so hard on yourself. When my in, body Indian, feels Indian like Indians. the world is ending, every tiny thing... Because I'm someone that... Shit rolls off my. I just don't yeah, give a fuck. Yeah, but you are so mad at yourself that you that like still right now you are mad at yourself that you got upset about the chicken wings. Like, and you're still like talking down to yourself about your reaction to the rental car to the chicken wings. And I just want you to let it go and say I was anxious and I wrote it out the best I could. I had some. I I reacted that way because I was anxious, and then just. Breathe it out and uh, stop. I mean, like, who cares? Who cares? You eventually got fed. You eventually got to eat. We watched Gone Baby Gone on the plane. Like, things uh, got better. And I feel like when you're talking about this right now, it feels like you're back there. And you're in. You're talking with that same sort of anxious pace and tone. And you just sound so mad at yourself. And it's okay. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay. I, uh, I know you're used to... Uh, you expect more of yourself. But it's because you're you're great. And you were great at everything for a really long time. And now you've had a bad run. But like, it is okay to have anxiety. It is okay to get anxious when there's a camera in your face and someone tells you to do something unnatural. Every person in the world would feel that to some degree, you know? Everyone would. Uh, it's just, it's, I mean, the, that's, that's why the Kardashians deserve their billion-dollar empire. They're so good. They're so great. <laughs> I mean, just give yourself permission to have faults and give yourself permission to have bad days. I think I definitely have uh, shame. Sh a shame reaction to uh, emotions, obviously. I think that's been a big theme of this last year was, you know, crying was extreme. There's still like members of my family who've never seen me cry. It's like a, it's a huge ordeal if someone finds out that I cried. Like because I just you know, oh, a very I'm, for the record, I'm watching you cry right now. <laughs> Call you out. Um, I, <laughs> Jessa, you are stronger than 
almost everyone. You know, you are incredible and you do a lot. And this, the shame is just keeping you in the cycle of anxiety. The more upset you get at yourself for being anxious, the more anxious you have become. And you're just going to stay in that cycle. You just you just forgive yourself and say that it's okay and accept yourself for the anxious, beautiful mess that you are. And you'll start to feel a little bit better. It may not cure the anxiety, but it's at least going to take away that second, third, fourth layer of it that you spiral down into. I feel like uh, once I'm in that space, I just create more like the The vacuum. Yeah, the vacuum. And then so I suck in like inconsequential things and then but then reality starts to reflect the the vibe that I'm putting out. And so I, there was a lot of the trip where things were getting fucked up. Like none of it, like none of it matters. I get that none of it matters. And you, I want to say, uh, I think we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about how when we came into each other's lives, like how important it was and how much of an impact we've had on each other. But um, I always surrounded myself with other non-emotional people, especially men. I was only ever attracted to men that I wouldn't say like not in touch with their emotions. Because when I think of people like that, I think like stuffing. But just low emotion uh, people. Just people that don't have a lot of emotional reactions to things. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time talking about that's all that I could ever have in my life. Like I could never have a man in my life that had emotions because I have a tendency to be a bull in a china shop with other people's feelings and that I, you know, I wouldn't want to be responsible for that. Right. For, for trying to take care of someone else's emotional needs because I don't understand it. And I just think of like how magical it is that you came into my life during this era where I am suddenly becoming someone with feelings because I, I don't, I don't feel ashamed. I still feel whatever normal amount of shame that I'm dealing with in myself, but that I like, you're the first person in my life where I feel like I can have this experience and there are times where I just want to I want to I want to apologize and be like the sorry this isn't normally who I am I feel like you're constantly having to babysit some mental breakdown that I feel like I'm having right and left and um I feel like you are no, you do say that all the time, and I just laugh at it. You're just like, I never say jizzy jizz cum cums, <laughs> and you're just constantly saying it. Um, I, but but I'm good at not getting angry at you for your feelings. I'm good at like being patient and stuff with feelings. I think it's pretty. 
ironic though that that I have switched places with you because I only I mean I guess I was already doing it before I met you but still I learned so much from you about letting things go I learned so much from you about not being anxious I learned so much from you about just trusting and just like not getting hung up on little details and I am so much calmer I used to just get just worked up over everything and I was always negative and this is what Tabitha hated about me and I was just every little thing and I'd be like oh like if I backed into the a thing I'd be like oh god damn it oh for, and I would just be so mad and the whole everything would be ruined and now I'm so different and then and it's partly because of you and so yeah it is it's it's strange to then uh have the shoe on the other foot where I'm trying to be your calm presence the way that you were for me. And I'm trying to be the voice of reason in the midst of an anxiety attack where that used to be me freaking out over every little thing. I think you are so emotionally intelligent, though. Like, you are so... Go on. I, I talk about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but one of the first things that I noticed about you that I was like, holy shit, that is powerful, is how quickly you can identify the feeling that you're having. Like, you don't, you don't just say, like, mad, like, because, like, I have, like, I have, like, mad, and uh, that's it. Like, I don't, like, I didn't, if, if I I'm having, in a, I have mad and regular. <laughs> If I'm having an emotional reaction to something, I it takes me a minute to realize. It takes me a while. I have to think about what was that what was that feeling I was having? Like I have to go analyze it and shit. And you can immediately in the moment if you're having a feeling be like, "I feel unsafe right now. I feel uh I feel threatened right now." Like uh, you know exactly the feeling And I can that trace it back. Well, like usually if I'm like and I've spent a long I sp- I can do it cuz I spent a long time listening to myself. And paying attention and trying to like trace back like the mystery. Why am I in a bad mood today? Because I was always depressed and upset, and I was always in bad moods. And I could like had to work on like figuring out what triggered me. And so I like you know like if okay, listen, if I'm being really honest, uh, and you know sometimes like it caused problems on the train in New York. Remember when I was being where yeah. I was just like sharing all. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, guess what? This just triggered me. And like, yeah. So I just started a fight instead. But I mean, like, I, I, you're right. Like, I can, I can pinpoint things and go, oh, okay. I guess um, there's something you said six days ago that still lingers, and uh, that's what I'm actually upset about right now. You know, instead of being like, I'm mad that that that. Uh, my dinner is cold. I'm like, well, it's not actually the dinner is cold. It's that uh, I feel disrespected because blah 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 blah. I'm just making up examples. Yeah, I and I love I I hate it when we're doing it. Like I uh, I feel like a lot a lot of our growth through this relationship has to come through uh, working through conflict. But I love I love how we what we get from figuring that stuff out. But I, this feels like a physical thing that's happening to me. And then all of the situ, cause it doesn't get triggered by situations. It just shows up 
And then now it's to the point where I'm so it's, afraid of anxiety showing up that I get anxious uh, waiting for like today. I was just like uh, just just every tiny thing. I was like, oh, God, I just, I just don't want anything to trigger anxiety. And um, but it feels the situational stuff. It's so quick that I'm like, I know that I'm not actually stressed out about that. Like the car thing. It was like, I know that I don't give a shit about this. I know. But I was like trying to Google how enterprise deals with stuff while, you know, just like I just at red light, like I was just freaking the fuck yeah. out. And I knew I knew this is like, I feel this way. I woke up feeling this way. I woke up feeling this way and the fact that I felt this way probably led to me me backing the car into the thing. It seems I'm surprised to hear you say that you don't think it's situational because it seems situational to Every me. situation that happens for the for the duration gets pulled up into it, but I don't feel like there is a a situ- like I was already I woke up anxious. I I sat up that morning and looked out the window and was freaked out. Have you, would you ever medicate? Would you ever look into taking medicine for it? No, I think I will, f- I will figure it out. I think that this is a puzzle to be solved. Okay. Um, I would quit drinking caffeine at some point, probably would be my first. Um, mm-hmm. I, this feels like uh, something that I am, th- this is delusions of grandeur, I'm sure, but there is part of me that thinks that I, I'm supposed to experience a lot of things and find my way out of them and then like take that understanding back to the collective consciousness. And so I do address my life. I do face things in life like that. Like uh, I will find this is a maze and I will find my way out of it. I just think, but it, but way before I would ever look into meds, I would change lifestyle stuff. And obviously it would be stimulants first. Okay. She says that she drinks her coffee. Yeah, grabs another another swig of coffee. I like medicine, though. I've had I had very good experiences with uh, medicine. I think that it helped me a lot, and uh, I really regretted all the years that I spent afraid. Like I just was like of the stigma. It took me a long time. I got diagnosed with depression and and anxiety, and then someone wrote me a prescription. And I never filled it. This was like in 2013. I got a prescription. And I never filled it because of the stick. I just didn't. It took me so long to warm up to the idea of it. And then when I did, I liked it. I'm not on medicine anymore, but I smoke weed when I get anxious. When I'm in what you were talking about, that's that circle. When I was like taking a nap and you were getting nothing done because you're just like here to here to here to here to here yeah. to here to here. If something triggers my anxiety, I'll just stand in one spot and get nothing done forever. I'll just be thinking about a million things and I'm not moving and I'm not getting anything done. And if I can, if I'm conscious of it, I'm like, hey, Aaron, pull yourself out of this and I'll go uh, smoke the tiniest bit of weed. Breathe in and out, and it's like I'm better. I like pull myself out of that, and I'm suddenly like, instead of spinning in a circle, I'm back on a straight line, and I start moving forward again. But um, I do. I have been on meds. I have taken uh, psychiatric meds for have? several different things in my life, and I didn't um, benefit from any of them. 
Mm. Um, so I like I could give two fucks about a stigma, but I just plus it's no, really I don't out think, of character. No, 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 for me. no. I wasn't trying to say that you thought that. Oh. I don't think you um, uh, have that. I yeah, I was on like Thorazine and lithium and Ritalin, and Ritalin might have been might have worked, but I mostly sold it. But um, and then weed, I think weed was like, I think the first time I remember feeling anxious was, mm-hmm. was triggered by weed. All right. Let's go back to, um, when, all right, can we, you want to talk about your show last night in Cleveland? Yeah. So we, okay. So while we're in New York, we're doing showcases and showcases. Okay. There's a couple things happening. Number one, I have started writing a new hour. And I'm done with the material that I've been doing. And there just comes a point in stand-up where you you first write your jokes when they're new and they're 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 not polished yet, but they're exciting and you exciting. like telling them. Yeah. And then they get they hit that sweet spot where they just fucking hit every them. single time you've perfected it. And then yeah. after that you hate it. You just hate it. You want it to die. But so much of my comedy, I write it together that I need old, like I need it because it's like weaved together. And so I have just, I hate a bunch of my material and I'm glad I got to retire it tonight. But I've been writing in the background. I've been writing this new hour, this new hour of completely fresh stuff. And I think my heart is already in this new hour. And so I don't have a lot of faith in my older stuff because I don't like it. And when once once it gets to the point where you don't like it anymore, the audience can feel that. Yeah. And so it's so fascinating to me how they know. And so this very this material that used to just always hit now is intermittently hitting. And I don't know if it's intermittently hitting or I just keep having shows where I think I bomb and then afterwards the producer of the show is like, oh my God, that was amazing. And then uh, I'm, you know, sad. But in New York, I didn't uh, enjoy a bunch of the shows we did. I didn't feel like I did well. That yawn setting in. Yeah, I gotta go back to this anxiety. No, 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 don't, 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 don't. We'll be done with this episode. No, we'll be done with this episode in a little bit. Uh, And then we need to go to sleep. If you keep drinking that coffee, you're never gonna go to sleep. Dude, coffee doesn't keep me up. Okay. Uh, So the shows in New York didn't go. I guess they went fine. There was like one when we first got into town that was actually an example of me doing my thing, even if the audience isn't into it. Because like the thing is, is I the kind of comedy I do, everyone doesn't like it. You know, everyone doesn't, especially if it's at a showcase and it's like, why is this bitch talking about this super dark shit right now? Uh, we just had someone up here telling us one liners. You know, and I had gotten to a point a long time ago where that doesn't matter. But when you're anxious, everything matters. And I just had a few shows where I, I, I didn't love it. And the fact that they were happening right before this this one that does matter uh, was freaking me out. And then I flew to Cincinnati where I was going to headline. And I thought, this is good because I... Uh, I'm going to headline and I very like I've had very few bombing experiences as a headliner because I'm up there long enough that I have time to build rapport and 
get them on my side. And I got to the show and it was kind of a, a, a weird setup, like a very long lot of comedians, a band in the middle. Yeah. Just a lot of it's on a out, football field. It's outdoors. <laughs> the the stage was far away from the audience and I just was like, uh, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of things stacked against me right now. And so I got anxious waiting to go up and then thought I had 40 minutes or something to wait for the band to be done. And then 20 minutes into it, someone came inside. Also, I like I have, you know, like I have like my pre-show rituals and I drink a, 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 caffeine, or a uh, caffeinated beverage and there was none because it was a brewery. And I usually pour like a five hour energy into a club soda and they didn't even have club soda. And so I'm kind of meandering around trying to find like personal space. And uh, Sarah was there who runs our uh, Facebook group and I felt so bad because she drove like four hours and we were going to hang out. And then I was just so anxious that I was like, sorry, I fucking suck right now. And all I can say is just like, I'm tired. Like, you know, like it's just complain about how tired I am, but it's just that I'm freaking out. I get up. Oh no. I am uh, just kind of meandering at this point. And someone comes up and they're like, he's calling you from the stage. This is 20 mm-hmm. minutes before I'm supposed to go up. And I walk outside and there was just a miscommunication. He had told me 920, but it was actually like 20 minutes from now is what he meant. And so. Oh, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he said 920, but like he what he was thinking, he just uh-huh. got like um, transposed in his mind or whatever. This is like my cousin who I'd never met before who ha- happens to also do comedy. That's a whole other story. So he's on stage and has been calling me for a while and then is like, I'll just go get her. And then they're like, she's right here. And I'm like, oh, God, this is like the worst case scenario for me to be walking on stage right now. It's pitch black outside. And I, I, I run up. I still have like my sweatshirt and my purse on. I just set my purse on the floor and I was like, you got to get me a water. Like I didn't have anything to drink, nothing. And got on stage. I do think it kind of helped that I was blind. Like it was the the one of those situations where the lights are so bright that you can't see the audience. And I think lately uh, the eye contact with the audience has really contributed to social anxiety type feelings. Tonight, definitely. That hmm. happened. If I wouldn't have been able to see that See that dude. dude that I bald dude with glasses. Yeah, I would have had a much better time. But God, he hated me. So... Anyway, he but also the second, hated me. Did he? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he liked anybody. Yeah. He had the look on his face that was like, this is supposed to be a comedy show. You know, like I can hear his fucking thoughts. So I get on stage and the weirdest thing happens because I'm 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 been panicking. I've been panicking for and not even just necessarily about the show, just impending doom. And then I get on stage, I grab the microphone, I try to make like a quick joke about why I wasn't why I wasn't on stage sooner. And then And it, it was a good one. It felt yeah, it was just like there's too many hot people inside, which was true. There was a lot of hot people at that show. It felt like physically, because I what I am experiencing is physical, um, it felt like a warm blanket came over my entire body. And I, I was so calm, not just like the, the absence of the anxiety, but an actual physical calm, like it was just like laying on my chest and I didn't have one moment 
in that entire set. I did an hour. I didn't have one moment of worry. There were everyone was really far away. The audience was really far away. So I couldn't hear laughs on every single joke, but I just had this fucking peace, this just crazy peace. And it, it was a great show. I had a blast. It was so much fun. I guess it's where I came up with a few of the things that I said tonight. Really? It was just freestyling. And I did, cause I had no idea. I've been trying to not over plan every set. I've been trying to like, because I'm so sick of this material, because I'm sick of these subjects, I have been trying to take a page out of your book because you just go up and have a new set, like a new, you know, the premises are there, but you do it yeah, different every single time. And so I have found that that has really helped me hate my material a little less and get better at kind of connecting with the audience because I'm having a unique experience with them. So I've been trying not to like know too far in advance what I'm going to say. But I definitely, yeah, I just went up and was winging it. And then I threw in jokes that I haven't done in a while, like stories I haven't done in a while. And just, I had a great time. I felt great. And I think I was even a little bit high on the adrenaline. Yeah. I couldn't get to sleep. And I haven't had, I feel like I haven't had shows where I, I think I haven't had fun doing comedy since Meth Piss came out. I like really that long. I feel like that might be an exaggeration, but I think of all of our all of our shows that we do together on the road. Even if both of us have a great set, I feel like you're excited uh, about your great set, and there's still something. Sometimes I feel like you hate performing with me. You say lots of things, and it's becoming increasingly frequent. Where I'm just like. Uh... I don't know, especially hear you say right now that you don't think you've had a fun set since. No, I've had fun sets, but you know, I I haven't had that like. I guess that's not true. I guess Baltimore was just one where I felt like high afterwards. Hmm. I just used to. Maybe I'm just doing a lot more comedy. I'm definitely doing a lot more comedy with you. Like I'm not. I never did a lot of comedy. I didn't. I. I did like five shows a year. So mm. I, my, the amount of comedy I'm doing is crazy now compared to, to yeah. years past. So no, it has nothing to do with doing comedy with you. It's just, we are out doing comedy a lot now. Everything that I'm doing without you, with the exception of this, I, uh, Ohio show is like a showcase shit, whatever. I don't know. I, I, there's, you shed your skin a lot in comedy and I know I'm just right on the brink of shedding my skin and doing a new thing and going in a new uh, direction, and so I'm I'm miserable in the place where I'm at, and so I think that's part of it is just my relationship with my own material right now. But I really I I don't know how else to describe the anxiety other than physical. It just is a physical thing that's happening. So tonight we did. Um, the first show was great. I didn't feel great about like the reality stuff that I was doing, but it was fine. And then I knew going in to the second show, I was going to have a bad show. Like there was no, I watched how it was for everyone else. And when the audience is like that, man, they want, they want quick, easy one liner type shit that they don't have to think about. You know what I mean? Like I, I already knew like, they're not going to like, like they're not going to like me and I was fine with it. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, and you seemed fine. 
in between shows, like you seemed, I was surprised when we got back here and you were in such a bad mood and you were like, I need, I need a minute before we record the podcast. So do you know what, uh, happened? I got progressively more anxious. I felt weird and bad when I got off stage just because I knew I had fucked up a couple times. It's hard guys to get up on stage and give so much of yourself and get nothing back. It like, even if you do, you try your hardest not to care and you try and you know, going in like, this is just what it is. This is going to be a shit show. So whatever it takes a toll on you. Takes a toll yeah. on you. You're saying personal stuff. You're say, you're you're selling these act outs, committing to it, and then people are like, huh? Yeah, you know? I'm like they begging. That. They do I'm that for begging 20, for 30 approval. minutes. Yeah. yeah, and I was like so proud of myself because I cut social anxiety out of that bit, uh, out of that set, and was just going to do a 20 minute set. And then at the end was like, no, fuck these motherfuckers. Like I won them back a little bit with as much as I was going to win them back with parenting stuff. And then was like, yeah, uh, I might have tripped over a few words, but they're not also going to get to see me eat like like run away from this situation right now. So I threw in social anxiety at the end of my set and I got off the stage and felt bad, like just wanted to hide or whatever, you know? And then I admired that other guys on the show weren't bothered. And it was so obvious that they weren't bothered by it, you know, but also I don't drink. And then, um, (laughs) those guys were drinking. Yeah. They were, they were, they were a lot of fun though. Yeah. Um, but then at the end they had to do some like reality shots of, of, talking to fans or whatever and i was like we couldn't have done that last like i know why we couldn't do it last show because we had another show to do but there were no like in my head i'm like there's no fans so now that now they're following me with a camera so that i can go out and have these like authentic experiences with fans but nobody says anything to me because i just bombed and then um so i talked to like one person who's feigning some interest in my stand-up and then as soon as the camera turns and starts doing something else, I get like eight people come up to me and are like, oh my God, that was so good. And I'm like, fucking, I can't win. And then I just, like, I was just, I was running further and further and further inside of myself. And then here comes the like, uh, you know, uh, social anxiety and I just want to leave. And then they're like, we got to get a few more shots. And then I just get weirder and weirder and weirder and I shut down. And then they try to get one with us and I don't, we didn't uh we didn't Mormon in the meth head too hard on on camera but then you said a bunch of nice stuff to me but i was like shut down i was like i yeah. i couldn't i couldn't even talk i just wanted to be gone so bad and so then i tried to be funny at the end um but yeah i just and then i was just like i want to cry i would like to cry right now if it's uh, possible and um yeah i just felt anxious i still feel anxious it's fine. Well, I don't know. I hope you feel better tomorrow. I hope we can get to. Uh, we're just. We're not going to get to the bottom of this tonight. We uh, are going to. We got to wrap up because we still have to edit this thing. <laughs> it's now one twenty in the morning. We have to edit this thing and publish it. So when you guys are listening to this, we will be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> we will have been asleep for a couple of hours. By the time you guys on the East Coast are listening to this thing. But uh, 
I don't know. I'm glad that you're talking about your anxiety, and I hope that we find a way for you to just, like, if you, in the interim, before you fix it, just be okay with it and just accept it and not hate yourself for it uh, because I don't think it's anything bad. I think most of my friends are anxious. You just hold yourself to a high standard is all. But uh, I think you had an amazing first set that's going to be amazing on television. I think they're going to edit together these little tiny pieces of stuff and you're not going to, no one's going to be able to tell that it was weird or whatever. I think tomorrow they're going to come here and interview you and put together, like you're going to have an amazing episode on this show and uh, you're just a read, you know, you're just a read, you're just a read. People love you and you're going to be okay. Thank you. Hmm. Um, All right. Before you guys go, I'm going to annoy you one more time with, with show dates uh, can you tell that I'm uh, anxious about this stuff? Okay. So on Thursday, we're going to be in Olympia, Washington. I think somewhere on our website it might say South Bay Pub, but it's not. It's not at the South Bay Pub. It's at Octopus Cafe. Uh, you can buy tickets online. And then Friday, we're at the Siren Theater in Portland, Oregon. You can definitely get those tickets online. Saturday, we're in McMinnville, Oregon at the Mac Club. and looking forward to that. And Sunday, we drive up to Spokane for uh, hopefully more than three of you. And uh, that's at Riddler's Piano Bar. Monday, we go back to the town that made me feel like a goddamn I- comedy icon, <laughs> Pullman, Washington, performing at Etsy Bravo. And then on September 27th, we're going to come back to San Diego and Jessa is going to conquer this fucking city and stand over top of it and make it uh, her bitch uh, at Martini's above 4th. But uh, you guys also know all about our Patreon. Thank you so much for the comments on last week's Patreon episode where we did the continuation episode um i really appreciated a lot of the feedback a lot of the stuff that uh people said and and messaged us it it was they were those were two tough episodes and they were interesting and 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 i I was so anyway thank you guys for listening thanks for being amazing fans and we will catch you next week on mormon and the meth head If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends, listen to them.